I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. All right, let's get into it. Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert with you and without Julian McKenzie. I know we promised Julian, but a little scheduling snafu there. But we'll have a larger discussion this weekend on what appears is going to be a long and competitive series between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. That's because we saw an upset in Game 1. The Canadiens walked away with a 2-1 victory on a late shorthanded goal from Paul Byron. And for at least one night, Montreal was the team folks thought it could be, but wasn't all season long. They were buoyed by amazing goaltending. They were nasty to play against. They were dangerous on the counterattack, and they were able to provide enough total team resistance to frustrate the Maple Leafs offense. If you're listening to this podcast, though, you probably know that Montreal's win is not the story from the game, or at least the main concern of Leaf fans and hockey fans. The main concern of Leaf fans and hockey fans is the health of John Tavares. Uh, We saw one of the most horrifying scenes that we've seen in a very long time. Uh, Leafs coach Sheldon Keefe said it was the most uncomfortable moment he's had around the game of hockey. Um, When John Tavares was knocked down into the path of Corey Perry, who inadvertently delivered a devastating knee to Tavares' head. Uh, Tavares needed to be stretchered off the ice. Tavares was taken to hospital. And thankfully, we know now that everything that has happened since Tavares was, um, you know, left in really difficult shape on the ice has been positive. Uh, He put his thumb up to, I guess, the crowd, the non-existent crowd, but at least to signal to fans that are at home and his bench that he was okay. He's been able to communicate. He's passed the tests that he's needed to pass. He is staying overnight at hospital so he can pass more tests or have more tests done, rather. Um, but everything that we've heard from an update standpoint in the key post game uh, was positive. Um, from a hockey standpoint, though, I guess that's a different story. There's a lot of concern, obviously, from a hockey standpoint. In the immediate aftermath, there was concern. The game played out, manifesting that concern. And there's got to be real concern about what the Leafs are going to do for the rest of the series here. But, I mean, things were put into perspective pretty quick when it happened. Quickly, before we get to the Leafs and Habs, a little a larger breakdown. The results from Thursday night. And my PVR, i got to be honest, is going to get a workout Friday morning because 95% of my time and focus was on the Leafs and Habs. But Montreal, let's run it down. 2-1 winners over the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Pittsburgh Penguins won a wild one over the New York Islanders. 6-5 on a late goal from Brandon Tanev. That puts up... That puts Pittsburgh up, rather, 2-1 in their series after falling behind 1-0. 
Likewise, another important victory for the Florida Panthers, a crucial comeback over the Tampa Bay Lightning, winning Game 3 in overtime on a Ryan Lomberg. Yes, that's right, Ryan Lomberg. Ryan Lomberg scored the goal. It's difficult even to say it's harder because this year, these playoffs are the first time I had ever heard of him. 6-5, though, the final in that game. And that series is now 2-1 Tampa Bay. I guess Florida Panthers avoided being placed into that chokehold tonight. And finally, Vegas Golden Knights, after dropping game one, they now have a 2-1 series lead over Minnesota. After an impressive comeback in St. Paul, they won, I believe, 4-2. They might have slid an empty netter. I probably should have that written down, but it was a comfortable victory in the end for the Vegas Golden Knights after sliding in a late goal uh, in a comeback win over the Wild. But we're going to talk mainly about Toronto and Montreal, and I think to start the larger discussion on this game, I think we have to start with Corey Perry. I mean, it could just be my curated silo on Twitter, but I think the reaction on Twitter almost proved that there was no intent here. Um, Perry's the type of guy that just doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. So I was expecting Corey Perry to be accused of purposely kneeing Tavares in the head, and that just simply simply didn't happen, or at least it didn't happen in terms of what I saw. Um, Apparently the two are friends, which is important context. But honestly, we saw the replays a bunch of times, and that's a different discussion or a different debate for another day. But I think what the replays did was illustrate two important things when sort of assessing what exactly happened here. Clearly, it showed that Perry's momentum was pulling away from Tavares. And we would see the accidentally on purpose stuff. You know, Brad Barshant's a guy that comes to mind in this vein. There's that subtle move back in when maybe they've been, you know, they're trying to change the trajectory of whatever they're throwing at an individual. And in this case, I don't think Perry did that. And secondly, the way Perry looked back and then looked back again, it seemed like there was real genuine concern on Perry's face. And uh, I mean, uh, that concern, you know, persisted as Tavares was getting lifted on the stretcher. He came by and just gave him a tap. Uh, uh, Corey Perry obviously has a rap sheet, but I I just don't think this was a purposeful move. And and I'm glad that he hasn't really been painted in that light because I, I just don't think that would have been fair in this instance. He did, however, have to uh, own up for the moment, as is stated in the code, I guess. Uh, after several minutes of Tavares being on the ice, a long delay, long enough for the players needing to actually have a bit of a skate just to get their legs back under them. Uh, Nick Felino challenged Corey Perry to fight before the next faceoff. It was largely inconsequential. Few punches, few punches landed, not many thrown either. Um, but I thought it was the wrong move from Nick Felino at the time. This guy obviously oozes leadership. He understands the game much more than I do. But I didn't like it because the Leafs clearly weren't angry about it in the moment. And deciding to be angry isn't actually being angry. Deciding to be angry is contrived anger. And when someone, and whenever it's understood that something is contrived, it doesn't really have any meaning. I thought in the moment the Leafs were better off just showcasing the depth, all the depth that they've built up without Tavares in order to win the game, not suffer another blow to their depth. Um, but I guess I've changed my mind on this a little bit because to Felino's credit, he was extremely honest about his reasoning in the post-game presser and what he said actually made a lot of sense. He basically explained that he knew Perry wasn't, you know, trying to hurt John Tavares in that moment, but because it happened... This thing was just going to linger over the series, over the game, 
over the next few shifts, whatever, as long as it lasted, as long as nothing happened, what happened on the ice with Perry and Tavares was just going to linger over the series and over the actual competition. So by addressing it immediately, Felino thought his team could actually move forward, return to what they do best, which is to just play and try and win hop- hockey games. Uh, not that I think Felino was being disingenuous uh, at all, but Corey Perry corroborated this story saying, you know, that Felino said to him, let's just get this over with now. So I, I think Felino clearly thought about what the best course of action was and execute on it, executed on it, and he didn't change his story by the time he met with the media. So I guess I he deserves a little bit of credit for that. And I think it did make sense what he was saying, but I don't think that the action actually helped the Leafs in that moment. Um, I actually think it hurt them because I, I think they just needed to get back to the game and throwing the lines even further out of whack, not being able to get set with the new reality, which is playing without your number two center. They had to wait another five minutes to do that, basically. And that five minutes might have been crucial in the end because this was t- such a tight game that was won at the margins. Not sure if I should bring this up, um, but what struck me and other people in the moment was sort of the act or the reaction from the trainer and how he was dealing with Tavares. Just an incredibly difficult spot for him to be in. It was a weird look because the trainer was sort of grabbing at Tavares's neck as he stood up. But it's important to number, understand that that's the number one goal in that situation. When there's a head injury or a neck injury, that's the goal of the medical, the first responder is to stabilize the head. And as Tavares is fighting to get up, unaware of what's going on, he's fighting the guy that's trying to help him or he's trying to resist what that person is doing. And it's a really difficult thing to stop. Um, and But he, you know, he kept with the priority, which is to try and just get the neck as solid as possible. And eventually they got Tavares back down on the ice where they could stabilize the neck the proper way and get him onto the stretcher and get him off the ice. Um I think we have to give at least some kudos to the medical team for the job that they did. It was a little awkward because it looked like Tavares fell really awkwardly on the back of his legs because he was out of consciousness and unable to, you know, control what he was doing. Um, So you hope, I mean, the head health is the biggest concern here, but you hope that John Tavares, nothing else happened in the moment because I I don't know what this means for him moving forward. I I can't imagine we're going to see him in the short term. But the Leafs have the possibility of going on a long run, and maybe Tavares will be back. You just hope there's not anything else that's going on. Um, Okay, let's get to the game. I think if we had to pick a star, it would be Carey Price. But in terms of the skaters, I think the best player or the most impactful player is probably Josh Anderson. Um, He had a tremendous game. He scored shortly after the Tavares injury with a brilliant counterattack. He was a force physically. He was a force defensively. And Josh Anderson's going to be a guy. His value's always going to be debated because Montreal gave him a big deal with a lot of term and a lot of money. And he's not a guy that necessarily fills the net with regularity. But he's definitely a player you want in the postseason. He is an absolute handful when he's on his game and when the moments and when the games take on the meaning that it did in this game, which is a little bit different than your average regular season game. When he's feeling it, And when he's on a stage like this, in a moment like this, in a situation like this, it seems to bring out the best in him. Uh, He seems to like that heel role. He seems to like being the bad guy a little bit. 
but he's a bad guy that keeps everything with reason in within reason rather and you ha- kind of have to respect that as you know a player not necessarily playing a role but in that role because that's just who he is but when's the last time you've seen Josh Anderson do anything that would be considered egregious Kadri like or Wilson like he keeps it within the lines and for that reason you got to give him some credit it was a great performance by him um, on the flip side, I think William Nylander was maybe the Leafs' best forward, or player even. Um, he tied the game a little bit after the second period, um, and it was sort of the shift that underscored all the good things that he was doing in the game. It started with a nice hit on Brett Kulak, some physicality, and it ended with him returning to the net front, the net front king, to bang in a rebound. Um, it wasn't a perfect night by any by any means, I think. He ran into some issues as the game went on. He took a penalty. We'll get into the penalties, but he, he cleared one of the pucks, one of the three pucks over the glass that the Leafs had. And that was, you know, that was a big issue for the Maple Leafs was the penalty trouble. Uh, but I think William Nylander did a lot of good things. He did a lot of good things with Tavares before Tavares went out, and he did some great things after as well. But it was Paul Byron who broke the deadlock late in the third period, as I mentioned. Uh, he just out-hustled Rasmus Sandin, just won a foot race to a loose puck. Uh, Rasmus Sandin took a penalty on the play, but he managed to stay on his feet, which is, you know, a lot of guys just go down to make sure that they just end the kill right there, end the power play opportunity for the opposition right there and get that power play to even things up. But he fought to stay on his feet, and he ended up beating Jack Campbell to sort of a, you know, a little bit of a chicken scenario where they were both kind of reaching and it seemed like Paul Byron just made the first move and shoveled it over the over the glove of Jack Campbell. It's going to be one of the goals of the playoffs. It was a truly fantastic goal from Paul Byron. And it almost seems characteristic of Paul Byron, who just has a knack for these big things. It seems a little bit, maybe, a, maybe this is revisionist history a little bit, but it seems like Paul Byron steps up a little bit in these moments and has these big moments on the playoff stage. And he's another guy, like Anderson, he's... You kind of debate his value. Is What is he going to do for us for 82 games? You might like what he does for you when you get to the playoffs. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Main reason, though, why the Leafs lost this game was Carey Price. This was Sochi Price. This was Hart Trophy Price. However you want to label it, Carey Price did the thing that he does where he morphs into the goaltender that's shattering a stick over a post in practice to the very best player at his position. He was just in complete control. He was spectacular when he needed to be spectacular. His save on the Marner-Nylander 2-on-1 was simply stunning. 
this guy is the great equalizer in the series. Talk about Montreal being the team we all thought, or not we all thought, a lot of people thought they could be. It starts with Carey Price. He's got to be the goaltender that's worth $10.5 million for Montreal to be at their very best. He looked like that tonight. He looked like the most valuable player on the ice. And obviously, you know, $10.5 million is $10.5 million. But if you can keep that standard where you're the most important guy there, I guess you're worth the money tonight. Uh, For the Leafs, self-destructive reasons why they lost, certainly special teams, or more specifically Toronto's inability, continued inability, persistent inability to create on the power play and their apparent penchant for clearing the puck over the glass. They ended up minus one on the power play, on their power play opportunities. It struggled for so long, so it's not really a surprise. More so the surprise is the fact they took three penalties for puck over glass. Power play is certainly an issue. Going minus one on your own power play is an issue, but all those puck over glass penalties may have had more to do with the, the end result because... It just seemed to stymie the momentum. Like the Leafs were making gains in the game, it seemed, at, at various points. But then they end up in the box, and that prevented the Leafs from doing what they do best, which is playing in the opposite end. And it sort of broke up the momentum and feel, it seemed like, for the Leafs for, um, you know, on multiple occasions. And that's certainly a problem in this game and reason why they're down 1 nothing in the series. Probably the third most important reason, I guess, or the third most pressing reason would just be the loss of Tavares. Um, So you had to deal with different layers of this, right? There's the initial shock, hard to get your feet under you, worried about your teammate, you know, just just paralyzed by the moment. There's also the impact on the roster. I mean, the Leafs are already throwing a third-line center into his first game with the organization, into this playoff game, and then you lose your second-line center – and all of a sudden, all your depth is being put under fire. You got Alexander Kerfoot having to go back. You don't want to give Riley, Riley Nash too much to deal with. And then you don't really have that natural center in the fourth line position that you feel really comfortable with. So uh, it, it had a, layers of impact, as I mentioned. The initial shock and then Sheldon Keefe having to scramble and not really being able to think and know what he's going to do until the intermission and that didn't give them much time to get things going. Obviously, he's going to have the chance to you know, reset a little bit, think about it, strategize, get an extra player in the team. But this loss is going to have a big effect moving forward here. I mean, Tavares is the luxury on this team. You know, they, they groomed Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner for the beginning. They drafted those players. They went out and got Javon, or John Tavares to be the difference maker, the luxury on the team, the guy who they weren't supposed to have that makes their team special. And now they're without John Tavares. And for the foreseeable future, it'll probably remain that way. So, uh, you know, this is going to have a huge impact on this series. And it tests the depth that the Maple Leafs have done such a good job at building. But suddenly it's, it's when you have to use that depth, your depth takes a big hit. So I mentioned game two. The Leafs have a major hole. I think the biggest question, though, is just who steps into that second-line center position. Is it Alexander Kerfoot, who they haven't even felt comfortable giving third-line center minutes to with regularity? Does Nick Foligno brush off his face-off duties and step into the circle and play the middle-of-the-ice role? William Nylander played some center in the postseason last year. They go that route. That didn't work out tremendously well. It's also Jason Spezza, Riley Nash. You'd think that would be too big of a job for him. 
Pierre Engvall, probably not going to play the second line center role, but maybe he comes into the lineup. I guess that's the other thing that Sheldon Keefe has to consider with Pierre Engvall, Alex Galchenyuk, maybe Adam Brooks coming in. That's the depth. That's going to be who they're choosing from. And I think it'll probably be Engvall just because, you know, you, you got to have enough centers available if there's another injury and you're, and you're certainly scrambling at that point. Like, I just think you have to get as many capable bodies to do that role as you can, but he's not going to play the second line role. So the Leafs have might have major changes to what they're going to be doing in game two. If Alex Galchenyuk comes in, that means someone who hasn't been playing center is going to be playing center. And maybe that switches up the entire top six. There's a lot to think about here as Sheldon Keefe goes home and prepares for Saturday. Uh, it's crazy though. I mean, the best laid plans for this team. I wrote about how the Leafs were just... The job that they did to construct this roster, to optimize this roster, from the moment they were booted out of the Stanley Cup playoffs last summer, before the season was even over, they traded Kasperi Kapanen. They later traded Andreas Janssen. They did, made all these changes. And even then, when the season started, they kept working. They lost Jimmy Vc and Travis Boyd. They brought in guys like Galchenyuk and Nash, who I've already mentioned. Like, it's been such... A, a road to get to the point where it seems like they all became healthy at the perfect time to start the playoffs. And then a guy with such importance to the team like John Tavares goes out. It's, uh, it's going to be a test to this team. And fortunately, if you're a Leaf fan, this is the deepest, most talented team and the team that is best equipped to deal with adversity like this. So we shall see. A couple other things. Uh, you can't help but notice the Matthews versus Ben Sherratt rivalry. I think this dates back to night one, I believe, on the season when Matthews broke his stick in a very surprising act of aggression from him over Sherratt. He initiated the contact. I think he was probably mad about something the Sherratt did. But it, it was like almost the introduction to a little bit of a different, a little saltier Austin Matthews this year. And I think... He's honestly at his best when that physicality comes out a little bit. I think Sherratt brings out or helps to bring out the best version of Matthews, even though he didn't score and the scoring Austin Matthews is always the best version of Austin Matthews. But I like when Austin Matthews is playing against Ben Sherratt because I think he's at his peak engagement and I still think he gets his offensive touches and looks with it as well. I think both those players like the matchup. I think they both revel in the opportunity to play against each other, but I only think one of them should, and I think that player is Austin Matthews. I think he got the better of it in this game, even if they didn't win the war in the end. The battle between Matthews and Sherratt went to the Leafs' Rocket Richard winner. Um, and lastly on this game, I think we got to give a little credit to Dominique Ducharme. The Habs coach scratched Cole Caulfield, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, and Alexander Romanov, basically three of the most important five pieces, four pieces to the future of this team, basically saying, hey, we're going to be perfect defensively because that's the best way that we can win. And we're going to take our chances when we get them, but we're going to be more dedicated to shutting down the opposition. I don't love that strategy as a hockey fan. I probably wouldn't have loved that strategy as a Montreal Canadiens fan coming in, but that strategy paid off in game one because if Cole Caulfield and Kanyemi are in, if Romanov is in, is that the best version defensively of the Montreal Canadiens? Are they going to give up a little bit more? Does the, do the Leafs take that one chance that they provide and it completely changes the complexion of the game? Perhaps, perhaps not. Maybe they blow them out with Cole Caulfield in because he's probably the best pure scorer on the team and he's not playing. But uh, I think Ducharme deserves a little bit of a credit for at least a little bit of credit for at least putting together a game plan, 
choosing the right personnel and executing on it. It's hard to knock what Ducharme did for game one. As I mentioned, probably 95% Leaf in Habstock. Maybe it was more like 98%. Um, because we're going to save the rest of the discussion for the Leafs and Habs for Saturday with Julian. But also we'll touch on all the other games. And tomorrow night I'll be back on to discuss the Jets and Oilers as well as what's going to happen with Washington and Boston, which is just pure madness in that series. But before I leave you, I will dole out a tire pump. And I'll give that to Ryan Lomberg. Third goal ever at the NHL level is an overtime winner. And he got to put Victor Hedman on hockey's version of a poster by blowing by him for the winner. As I mentioned, I literally never heard of this dude before these playoffs, but he's been pretty, he's been in it. He's been in this series, certainly for Florida, an important part, and he played a huge role in Florida, basically staving off what would be certain eliminations. So hat tip or a tire pump to Ryan Lomberg for the biggest goal of his career. As I mentioned, Jets and Oilers return Friday night. I'll be back, and we'll also touch on all the other games, which includes Carolina and Nashville and Washington and Boston. And I believe Colorado and St. Louis will be back. And we'll, we know Nazem Kadri is not going to be there, but that should be interesting. And I guess there is one more trend that is emerging, and it's the fact that in every division, the favorites are ahead at this moment. I know Boston wasn't seated higher than Washington, but coming in, the Vegas odds favored, um, favored Boston and favored all the teams all the U.S.-based teams that are up right now in their series. But in the Canadian division, the two underdogs took game one with Montreal and Winnipeg ahead of both Edmonton and Toronto. Leave it to the North division to finally provide some interesting content after what was a pretty academic year in terms of placement. So maybe this whole thing is going to be turned on its head, and I'll be here to help break it down. We'll leave it there. Look forward to tomorrow night. See ya. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.